0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. So New Zealand and Australian, as much as you guys often mistake us for being the same, our accents are a little bit different. And, uh, but I'm going to try and know those words. But they've been senior ministers um, and, and leaders of C3 Trunga um, for over nine, nine years now. And, uh, and ministering um, well beyond that 16 years. And he's going to introduce himself and show us a little bit. Let's give him a huge C3 East Village welcome tonight. Yeah, is, is, oh, oh, thank you so much. That's uh, greetings in the Māori. It's, uh, I tell everyone that I'm a Canadian Māori and there's not many of us. So whenever I'm preaching, I'm like, I introduce myself as a Canadian Māori because I was born here in Calgary. So born here, uh, and at the age of five moved to New Zealand. My parents are both Kiwis. My dad is Maori, which is the indigenous people of New Zealand, and uh, and we speak a little like this. Oh, kiorekas, hey bro, how you going? Are you all good? So that's like if you come to New Zealand, that's some of the you know just give you a heads up how to talk. Okay, so somebody might be like, hey bro, what's your, what's you up to, bro? Okay, that's just that's just normal Kiwi lingo. And I'm here with my family, so. Uh, just to introduce my wife, Tessa. I think there might be a photo of us, um, so you can actually see their beautiful faces. But there they are. So it's a privilege uh, to have them here with me today. They don't usually get to come with me when I'm preaching around the place, but uh, sometimes Tessa does. But to have the whole, all the kids, the whole tribe—that's us, the Cameron Farno—and we are from a place called Tooronga. You did pretty well at saying it, man. Uh, Australians do a bit better than the most North Americans, I must say. Um, I think the only person is Pastor Jürgen who can actually say Tauranga, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things we think maybe we'll change it to C3 Mount because uh, a lot of people in New Zealand just call us from the Mount because um, we got this beautiful mountain. I know it might be a photo from the mountain uh, as well. There we go. You can't really see too much, but that's the view that if you wake up and you walk up the Mount, you get a view like that in the morning of the sun rising. It is absolutely gorgeous. Hey, um, it is an incredible honor and privilege to be here with you all tonight. Um, we came on holiday and, and considered, you know, preaching. And I thought, oh, I love preaching. I love uh, the opportunity to be able to share uh, God and the love that God has for every person. And so it's, it's an honor to be here. And I thank Pastor Lorne and, and Kelly and, and you guys, you know, Stephen and Brittany, thank you so much for uh, even taking a risk on us. I'm pretty sure you've never heard me preach. So, you know. But but we're Fano, okay, C three, Fano. We're cuz, okay, as we say in New Zealand, we're like cuzzy bros. So I've been a part of C three uh since I've been a Christian. So uh I was born into C three. So for the last uh how old am I, probably eighteen years I've been a part of C three. And so I love it and had the privilege of been a lot in a lot of C threes around the world and uh this is this is awesome, to be in Canada, my hometown. Flying into Cal- Calgary was something special. Just got a bit emotional as we, as I saw her. I was just like, oh, I'm in my home city. This is cool. So, uh, yeah, we, we're all adjusting to the cold weather. Um, <laughs> I actually arrived in my uh, shorts and jandals, and lots of the people at the airport were looking at me, like, really strange. And uh, I was like, i oh, they've never seen a Māori before. So, choice. Hey, um, we're going to uh, read together from uh, the book of John, so the Gospel of John. And, um, and so chapter 1, okay, we're going to have a look at uh, a bit of scriptures here. So from verse 1 through to uh, 18, uh, tonight we'll read, we'll read it and, uh, and then we'll have a look at uh, what I believe God wants to say to us tonight. So uh, it says from verse 1, Uh, Well, yeah, we got it in the back there, if you haven't got a Bible. So in the beginning, I'm reading from the ESV. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name He of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Uh, for the opportunity we have tonight to come around your word, and I thank you, God, for every person that you've brought here tonight. We thank you, Jesus, that you've got a message that you want to share with each person, and we thank you, God. We invite you to come and do what you want to do tonight. Come and transform our hearts and do something, uh, something amazing on the hearts of every person in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm a bit of an adventurer, and I like adventures. And from a little, as a little kid. I, I recall a story where uh, we were on a big boat, our whole whānau, our whole family. Whānau is the word for family in Māori, so just, I'm just educating you guys as we go here. So when you visit New Zealand, you'll feel at home. Um, and so with our family, we're out on this big boat, and and we stop on an island, and I decide, let's go kayaking. And I always like to pull people into my little adventures. So I, I invite my cousin, Emily, come along for, with it. On, me with a, on this kayak with me for an adventure around this island that we're visiting. Beautiful island, didn't know it. So we hop in the kayak and we're kayaking around the island and it's awesome. It's a beautiful day, sunny, glorious light. We're just looking at this island and I spot a cave in the, in the side of the island. And you know that if you spot a cave as a 12-year-old or whatever, maybe 10-year-old boy that I was, if you spot a cave, you have to go inside it. You have to go and check it out. You don't know what's in it, but you've got to check it out. And so my cousin Emily, who's a pretty blonde curly hair girl, who is actually incredibly tough. She's like holds a world record for a sheep shearer. She's shorn like the most sheep in 24 hours in the world. So she's incredibly strong, but she doesn't look it. She looks quite pretty. And you know, and so she's probably a couple years older than me. And so I've pulled her in on this adventure. We're going into the cave. And the cave is one of these ones that has water going into it. No beach, but you just, it's just water. And so we're like, let's catch a wave into the cave. And so we do it. We catch a wave, and thankfully, we don't hit the side. We actually just go straight into this cave, not knowing where we're going, but in our kayak. And then we finally hit a beach inside this cave. Woohoo! Yeah, that was awesome. It was exciting. It was so cool. And we're in this cave going, wow, how incredible. And there's just a little bit of light coming from the entrance. And we're like, this is awesome. And we're just pumped. And we're like, yeah, just checking out the cave. And then we think we better head home. Because we'd already paddled maybe a couple of hours from the boat and uh, found this cave. And we thought we better head home. This was back in the day when your parents didn't really care where you were, what you were up to. Is anyone from that generation where you just like, be back for dinner? Yeah, that generation. So as long as we're back from dinner, parents aren't worried. They don't care what you're up to. So we are in there and we think, at hey, let's get out now. But we, we hop in the kayak and we go to paddle out and we just hit a wave and get straight back onto the beach. And then we go try again and we just hit another wave and we upside down and we're in the water and back on the beach. And we kept trying and trying and trying to get out of this cave. And after a little while, we started to get a little nervous. A little worried. Is the sun going to go down? Are, we gonna, are they going to find us in this cave? Are we going to be stuck in here? We're in our togs. I don't know, our swimsuit. I don't know what you call them here. But we're in our togs. So we're getting a little cold now. We're wet. We're in this dark cave. And we're starting to freak out about how we're getting out of the cave. I don't even know if my sister has heard this story. But um, I got up to a few adventures you don't know about, sis. But, yeah, we we just keep trying, and and hope starts to vanish. It just starts to dissipate. And and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm trying to pretend I got it all together with my cousin. You know, I don't want to look, you know, soft in front of a girl. I've got pride, you know. And so, you know, we're all good. good. We'll get out of this. We'll get out of this. I'm still, you know, keeping my confidence on the outside. But on the inside, I'm thinking, we're going to die in a cave. We're going to die. And uh, we just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And hope's going, and it was like, oh man, we're stuck in here. And then i just like, no, no, give it a one we'll go. And we we managed to get through. Just timed it perfectly, no waves, paddled for our lives and got out. And we're like, yes, we made it out. But for a moment there, it just looked like all hope was gone. Like we're like, you know, we're young kids and we're panicked and we're freaking out. But, I, you know, I just recalled that story a couple of weeks ago and I was thinking about it and thinking, you yeah, know, because I was thinking around this idea of hope, that you guys are in a theme of hope and talking around hope. And, you know, sometimes that's how we, we are in life. We, we, we find ourselves excited to start with. You know, maybe as a kid we're excited about life. And then we, we find ourselves in a struggle. We find ourselves up against odds. We find ourselves beaten back and getting hammered by waves, getting, you know, stuck in a dark place. And we find ourselves without hope, and and that can be a disaster, and and this is the reality that we live in, and this is the reason for why we're celebrating Christmas, because this is the state of the world, this was the state of humanity, and the reason why Jesus came, because the Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick, and see, humanity has suffered with this sickness forever, this separation from God this lack of hope, this inability to, to experience the fullness of life and the satisfaction of what God has for us because we, we do not have him because we're without hope. And so the title of this message is Hope Became Flesh. Hope Became Flesh. And if we look at this passage of scripture, it's, it's outstanding. I just want to focus on, on a few things. And not pull it all apart because we'll be here all night, and I'm, I'm weary of the time. Um, but it says, "In the beginning was the Word." You know, John starts off his gospels different from all the gospels. They all start differently. You know, Matthew starts off with the genealogy of Jesus and how he came, and and then Mark, you know, begins with the baptism of Jesus, and then uh, Luke begins with, you know, uh, Zechariah uh, being you know, announced that he is going to have this son, John. And then here in, in this story, John doesn't even start with creation, but he actually goes before creation. And it's amazing. You know, Genesis, we often think, you know, that's where it began, you know, Genesis. But God existed before creation. God existed well before time, before what we know. And in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. It's it's so clear. John just puts it out there so that everyone can understand that Jesus is God. He was in the beginning. Before creation, Jesus existed. He was there with God. See, God always has existed in three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we read in Genesis the account of, of creation and how he says, let us, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Jesus was there and it says this, it says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Jesus is God. If you have any doubt about it, come on, hear it tonight. Jesus is God. He's not a prophet. He's not a good guy. He is God. He is God. And He was there and He's always existed. He has always been and He always will be. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. The light that so desperately is needed in our world. Desperately needed. He is the light. And the call in in John 8 is that anyone who, I am the light of the world, anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness. And it goes on and. the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it there was a man sent from and talks about John and you know bearing witness about Jesus coming the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world he was in the world and the made the world was made through him yet the world did not know him he was not received you know as the as the prophet Isaiah said you know he would be despised by men, he'd be despised. He fulfilled this. His own people, the, the, the children of Israel, who he came to, to, to reach, you know, as his first point of call, they rejected him. They said, He is not our king, Caesar is our king. They rejected him. They did not receive him as their own. Creation knew who he was, you know, he could command the seas and the, you know, the winds to be still. You know, rocks could cry out. Donkeys could be ridden by him who had never been ridden before. And imagine they just became docile in his, in his writing of him. You know, creation knew who he was. But the people, the children of God, the Israelites did not receive him. They did not. But then this glorious statement. But to all who did receive him. To all who did receive him, to any Gentile, to any person who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. I was thinking about that last night, the right to become. Not that you instantly become, but you have the right to become. If you believe in him, you've got the right to become a child of God. You've got the right to follow him and and learn what it means to be a child of God. Who were born not of blood. And born not of blood. You see, if your parents were Christians, it does not by blood. It's not by, you know, who, are, who they, by our genealogy. It is by His blood, of course. It is by His blood. Nor the will of the flesh. You can't will yourself to be a Christian. You can't try really, really hard to, to just make yourself a good person. The Old Testament are full of people who tried really, really hard by the will of their flesh to be right, nor of the will of man. I can't force you to become a Christian. I can't will you to be a Christian. I can't force my sister to join C3. I tried ages ago when I met Pastor Lawn in Malaysia. I met him actually in an elevator in Malaysia maybe six years ago. I don't know if you'd remember, but you know, I met him there and, and I was just, I was lying. I'm like, yeah, a guy from Calgary and he's running a church in C3. I'm going to get my sister to C3 join, get away from the. <laughs> All churches are good, but I just especially love C3. And so stoked that she is in C3 when she told me that. I was like, yeah, come on. She always complained, it's too far to go to C3 out west. I'm like, just harden up, drive. <laughs> Can I just pause for a moment to tell you this cool story? So a couple of Christmases ago, we were uh, given this bucket list. And on the bucket list was, you know, just a little notepad. And as a family, someone from a church gave it to us. We thought, let's just write a few things that we want God to do for us as a family. My list, I'm like, I'm going to start and I'm going to begin with writing a white Christmas as a family in Calgary with my sister. And uh, so we just wrote that, put it in there. The only other person to write something was my probably six-year-old son at the time or seven-year-old son at the time. He said, I want to go to an All Blacks game. All Blacks is our national rugby team, and they're amazing. And so he wanted to go to an All Blacks game, and nobody else bothered to write a list. My wife actually said to me, come on, somebody, with the Calgary trip for Canada, make it realistic, she said to me. (laughs) The lack of faith, I tell you. I said to her, babe, I serve a big God. And he is able to do all things. And he is going to take me and you and all our family to Calgary. And so praise the Lord. This is, my sister rings me and says, she wants to shout us. Her and Owen want to shout us to Calgary. And so there's a beautiful, in you know, a white Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So just, yeah, that's, just let us know. The lady at the supermarket said to me, I hope you don't get a blizzard while you're here. I said, bring on the blizzard. We want a blizzard. She was like, what? I'm like, yeah, blizzard, as much snow as possible. Let it come. Let it fall. Let it rain. Snow. Amen. Let it rain, snow. Let it just snow. Amen. So anyway, a little side note. But thank you, CJ, for filling a dream that God, um, I know, has done through you. So thank you. Um, But of God, it's only but of God, it's only through God that you can become a child of God. In verse 14, which is the the main focus of this, and it it really is summarizes Christmas. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I love this. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you just skip back to verse 1, God, who was in the beginning, before everything, He existed. Jesus existed. This Jesus, it blows my mind, this Jesus came to earth, took on flesh and dwelt among us. You know, you cannot... Describe that in any way possible. Like how far God has come for you and I because of the great love with which He loves every single one of you. God just went there. He went there from Creator, God of the universe, who existed before creation of this world. He decided to become flesh, to take on the form of a human being. And dwell here on this earth, and we celebrate Christmas because of it, Jesus coming to the earth and and these guys, John is a witness to this. John was there, and you know I love it how he he starts off his epistle with, with in one John, how he says uh, I was flicked there quickly, but it says that which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we saw, which we touched. You know, the realization that John had was: man, this God who was in the beginning, we had the privilege. When he spoke, we were listening to God. We were listening to God. When when he was there in front of us. We were looking at God. When He touched us, God in the flesh was touching us. The God who was in the beginning. What a privilege. He is blown away. And this is old man John in his older years just reflecting. And starting off, you can just hear the awe in that, in that description. I uh, description. The God who was in the beginning. We heard Him with our, with our own ears. We saw Him with our own eyes. We touched Him. Man, me, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, I leant against His chest. I leaned on Him in the Last Supper. I heard His heartbeat. I got to experience that God in the flesh. And God is a God of hope. You can put so many words in there. To describe him, the names for God are so plentiful, they're so beautiful, they're full of life. You could put joy became flesh, you could put love became flesh, you could put peace became flesh, you can put hope became flesh. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. And he showed humanity what God was like. He crossed the divide. You know, you you think, man, me becoming like, whatever, a ladybird, to rescue ladybirds, does not come close. A ladybird. To describe how far our God has come to rescue you and I, to pull us out of darkness, to give, give us a hope everlasting. He has come that distance for you. This God who's often... So misrepresented by people who call themselves Christians. Jesus came and showed what God was like. That's probably why I spend more time reading the Gospels than any other book in the Bible. I spend the majority of my time in studying Scripture. I study the Gospels because I want to know what God is like. The world often portrays God as this angry guy, this guy of, you know, judgment and terror, and he just wants to hit people and whack them with sticks. But the God I see in Jesus Christ is a God who wants your love, who wants your affection, who wants to show you his love, who wants to display his beauty and his his ability to cross any divide and love on any person, no matter where they're at. And so I read Jesus because, you know what, we, you, you can read the Old Testament. I tell every new Christian, man, start in the Gospels. Find out what Jesus is like. Find out what God is like. The very nature of God is found in Jesus, the perfect nature. And then read the Old Testament because, you know what, you can't read the Old Testament without getting the tone. Jesus sets the tone for the voice. You know, you, you read God in the in and in Genesis, when Adam is done wrong, and you think, man, he's, if you re- read it without knowing Jesus, you, you get the tone all wrong. You know, God, like, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Why are you hiding? Man, I read it, I'm like, I just hear, I hear a God going, oh, why? Why, Adam? Why have you done this? If only you just listened. If only you just listened. This idea of God becoming flesh was so that he could, so that we could understand him. So we could get to know him because he'd been so misrepresented, so misunderstood by the Israelites, by the people of God. They didn't get him. They didn't know him. They didn't understand who he really was. So we turned up. Have you ever had like a bird or something or an animal freaking out? And your life, like, you know, they fly inside. I don't know if this happens in Canada, but maybe they're trying to escape the cold. And they come inside and then they panic and they're trying to get out or they're trying to find, you know, and they a just panicking yourself. And you're like, you stupid bird, just let me help you. You're killing yourself. They start bashing themselves against the window. They're just hurting themselves time and time again. And you're like, I'm trying to help you. And they're flying away from you. And you're like, come on. And you think, have you ever thought, man, if only I was a bird, I'd be able to explain it to them. (laughs) They might get it. Hey, you idiot, I'm trying to help you. Come on. I'm not a big bad guy. I love you. I'm trying to look after you. And this is what God has done for us. Yeah, word, yeah. This is what He's done for us. He's gone, look, you don't understand me. I'm coming. I'm becoming flesh. And you can actually know the nature of God. I'm a God of love. I'm a God of hope. You can read the Old Testament and actually understand Him through the eyes of Jesus, through God Himself in the flesh. God offers hope. You know, I, I actually... Lived my life without hope. You know, as a child, like a lot like the cave story, I, I had a lot of joy and excitement about life as a child. But as I began, as I was going through my teenage years, I became more and more uh, dissatisfied with life. This dissatisfaction just crept on in, everything I try, thinking that this would make me happy, that this would bring satisfaction to my soul, listening to the messages of this world, saying, if you do this, if you bow to this image, and you, you know, you give your life to this lifestyle, you're going to be happy and satisfied. Well, at the age of, of 16 and 17, you know, I'd been there, done that. I was using alcohol every day. I was doing drugs, and I was I left home at 16, moved in with a girlfriend, and I just started to live this lifestyle, which was not too healthy. But thinking that somehow it would all make me happy. I did well at school. I did well at sports. I did well. Had everything going for me as a young guy. But I was so sad on the inside. Nobody knew it. Nobody was aware that this was going on in the inside of me. I I didn't think so. I didn't show it. And over the years of 17, 18, 19, I became more and more depressed. And this darkness filled my world. The idea that hope didn't exist, that there was nothing in life worth living for. That's the the concept. That's the idea I thought about. And every day from like 17 to 18, 19, I thought about suicide. I thought about ending my life thinking, surely there's no reason for this life. Surely there's more to it, but every time I thought, I'll do this, I'll become successful that, I'll, I'll get more money, or I'll I'll find a, a better looking girlfriend, or I'll do this, I'll, it all left me empty. It was all a mirage, it was all this offered heaps, but gave me nothing, and hopelessness and despair filled my life. And so at the age of uh, 19, I, I got invited to a church, got invited to a C3 youth group, It was called Primal Youth. It was like a youth church set up for young people. And I went along to it. My cousin invited me. She didn't think I'd go. She thought I was too cool for that. And she was like, man, you won't want to come. But she invited me. And I was like, I haven't seen my cousin for a while, so I'll go. I I turned up there and there were these people, just like in this room, that had hope, that had a joy, that had something that I did not have. They They were reflecting this light, this shining light, this glorious light of God, And I couldn't get it. I couldn't figure it out. I was going like, these are the coolest people in the world. I wanted to hang out with them. They were different from all my friends who just drugs and drank and partied and, and were miserable like me. These guys were happy and they didn't do those things. What is up with them? But you know, it was a glimpse, it was a moment, it was a time at church where I felt, oh, this is cool. But I went home and I became continually more and more depressed living in this I just stared at the ceiling half the time I was looking out just going how am I going to end this how am I going to you know do this one night I remember probably the age of 17 I remember standing on the edge of a building trying to work the courage like five stories up on the edge of a building going man I just want the courage to jump <laughs> it's one in the morning no one ever calls me at one in the morning my best friend rang me at one in the morning <laughs> like, hey bro what are you up to I'm um, just hanging out in town. He's like, oh, you want to hang out? You want to catch up? I'm like, yeah, bro. <laughs> jump off the ledge. <laughs> Go and meet up with my friend. He, he, didn't, he wasn't a Christian. But there were moments where it came so close. One night leaving church, I was walking across this bridge, and I thought, no, nah, I'm going to jump off this bridge tomorrow. That's it. I'm jumping off this bridge tomorrow. Made a decision. It felt firm. It felt secure. I was like, yes, finally. The end is there. And for some reason, I stopped on the middle of the bridge. And I thought, hey, God. And I just started to cry out. I said, God, if you're real, can you help me? <laughs> just, a, just a random cry out to a God who I didn't know if he was even real. And so I went home. My, my house was only 100 meters from the, from the bridge, my apartment. And I went into my apartment went to sleep. And the very next day I woke up and all depression had left me. That overnight, God had transformed my mind and my heart and had given me a new life. I woke up and colour had returned to my world. Joy had filled me. Everything looked good. Life was in me. And I knew that I had become a new person overnight. I knew nothing about God, but all of a sudden I was filled with hope that the future was good, that there was a great future that God had for my life. And so, man, I just I just pursued Him. I just went after Him with my heart. The first thing I had that day was a counseling appointment. I walk into my counseling appointment. I've been seeing a counselor for about six months with no, like it just didn't do anything. I'm not saying don't go see a counselor, but it just did nothing for me. It was just like, distract yourself, distract yourself when you think those thoughts. put the TV on, stuff like that. I'm like, I walked into that room and the counselor looked at me and said, what has happened to you? What has happened to you, Tamari? And I said, I just said, I've met Jesus. I've met God. God is real. I've gone to this church and I've met God and he's alive and real. And she was like, I need to go to church. And I said, yes, you do. You need to know God. And I became like an instant evangelist. Telling everyone about God and reading this book and falling in love with Scripture. And the book became alive. And God started to speak to me. He was speaking to me every day. It was like, whoa, how do you know that? God, that's amazing. I got out my highlighter and I started to highlight the scriptures that I liked. The only thing was, it was every scripture. And I started to highlight everything. And, and all of a sudden, I'd gone through Matthew, and the whole book of Matthew was yellow. And then I was going into Mark, and it was all turning yellow too. And I thought, hold on, I think that the highlighter is supposed to distinguish which are my favorite bits. And I'm like, but it all is yellow. It's all so good. It came alive. And from that day, I've never been without hope again. And I'm not telling you God is just gonna work in the exact same way. He works in different ways for every single person. Sometimes He rescues you like that. Sometimes He says, hey, just do this step. He encourages us. Uh, encourages us. He puts people in our lives. It says, hey, you need hope. Just hang around this person. Journey with this guy. Go to this church. Just continue to keep going to that church. Hang out with Pastor Stephen. Hang out with that guy. Let, let his joy rub off on you. Because you know what? The cool thing is, you know, Jesus isn't here on earth anymore in terms of He isn't walking around and doing His thing. But I'm telling you, He's very much alive in the earth today. He's very much alive. And see, the idea that hope became flesh wasn't that hope would then return when Jesus went to the Father. Hope was to remain in you and I. He sent His Spirit, and if you believe this, God lives on the inside of you and I. And so you and I are these contact points of hope for this city, for every person that encounters you and me. They're actually encountering hope in the flesh. You, the living representation for Jesus Christ. God's Spirit on the inside of you. So you hear tonight going, oh man, I don't offer much. Yes, you do. You offer the hope of the world if you have Jesus. This world is living with that kind of darkness. That kind of depression is all around us. We live next to it. It's in our neighbors. It's in our communities. It's all around us. And you and I have that. The encounter that they need with hope is in you. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus left it in the hearts of mankind. And you and I, so that everyone, everyone could find hope. And man, my time's up and I apologize, I've gone a little bit over, but I hope <laughs> that's all right. And I just want to just pray with you as, as I finish and, and just offer you, you know, if you're here tonight and maybe you're, you're here and you don't, you've, you haven't found this hope. Maybe you're living in darkness and you're living in a hopeless situation. There's no hopeless situation that God can't reach into. In fact, I reckon that the more hopeless you find, the more likely God wants to show up in it because He wants to show His glory. He wants to show His goodness on this earth. He wants to do what no one else can do, what no other counselor can fix, what no person can actually do. Jesus can do. Jesus can do it. So if you're living in darkness, you're living without hope, I'm telling you there's hope and His name is Jesus. And He offers it to every single one of you. And so if you want to begin this journey of hope, you want to begin this journey of faith, then you can do so tonight. Would we just close our eyes and just... just... Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.